Loose ball. Ewing goes up. The basket counts. He gets it over to the doctor. Tie ball game. Here's a shot, Julius. He, he scores! He scores! Anthony for three. Bang! That one goes down, and the game is tied! Here is Durant moving on Tucker. He turns, he shoots. Yes! Talking Knicks, Nets, and all things across the association, this is Pick and Pod on WFUV Sports. Hello and welcome back to a special edition of Pick and Pod. Last week we said, we, we, I guess we predicted it, we said it could have been the last episode where we wouldn't know who the 2020-2021 champion was of the NBA. And we know now it's not Suns and Sticks like Thomas Aiello predicted. Instead, it is Bucks and Six, as the saying goes by Brandon Jennings. Bucks and Six, the, Milwa- the Milwaukee Bucks, are NBA champions for the first time in 50 years. And Giannis Antetokounmpo is a Greek god. He has surpassed being a Greek freak. He is now a Greek god. But we'll get to Giannis in a second. I forgot to introduce myself. I'm Kelly Bright, and alongside my two favorite co-hosts now, we've turned the show into a big three since that's what this league is all about now. I'm Kelly Bright, Thomas Quigley, and... I think Thomas Aiello, although I can't tell with the shades and the hat. Tom Thomas isn't here today. He he's hiding in the basement. He's he's too afraid to face the ridicule of predicting the Suns and Six and guaranteeing it. So I'm his twin, his evil twin, um, Terrence. So that's who I am. In case you didn't know me, and I actually predicted, unlike my twin. Uh, the Bucks to sweep. However, they won in six. But no, it's actually me. I'm only kidding. I am here to face the ridicule of me picking the friggin' Suns in six because what else do I do? I It's deep cuts, hot takes for me left and right. Yes, I am Thomas L. I am here for picking pot. I, would, I wouldn't miss this. I, I can't. I would never miss this. I, I can't. It, it's For the world, I wouldn't miss it. Oh, it's, it's the best part of the week. And Thomas, you were definitely the most adamant in your take on the Suns, but if I remember correctly, all three of us last week were at least predicting a Game 7, if not a Suns championship. So I don't think the three of us saw this coming. I certainly didn't. I, I wasn't as, again, out, as it's, outspoken as you are. But, I mean, we truly just witnessed greatness. The three, I, Everyone, anyone who watched Game 6, anyone who's watched this series truly witnessed something amazing. Two teams that – no one really saw as being contenders gave us one of the best NBA finals. I know I've seen in uh, my time as an NBA fan. I don't know about you guys, but uh, before we really get into that game, I kind of want to do a quick little look back at, at the finals. I mean, you game one, you got a vintage Chris Paul performance, one of his, you know, one of his best performances in a final series. I mean, I wouldn't have been mad if he'd won a ring. I feel, I do feel bad for him. We'll get more into that later, but you had Devin Booker having two 40-point nights. Drew Holiday steal in game five. That's going to go down as one of the greatest defensive plays in the finals. Chris Middleton, you know, Chris Middleton, he stepped up big. But, I mean, Giannis, we can say it once, we'll say it five times, we'll say it 50 times tonight. Giannis just had the absolute series of his life. The two-time MVP finished averaging 35 points, 13.2 rebounds, and five assists. Per game, Thomas Quigley, I'll go to you. 
what else is there? I don't even know what to say. I, I'm at a loss for words for the performance we just saw with uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo, but hopefully you have some words for what we all got to witness these past few weeks. Giannis was unbelievable, just like unbelievable this series. And I feel like we spent most of the playoffs, I feel like everyone that I talked to spent the entire playoffs saying, all right, the Bucs are going to get out at some point. They're going to get stopped at some point. There's no way that Giannis can win with this team. Uh, especially with Drew, the way that Drew Holiday has just been offensively inept the entire playoffs. Uh, I really just like never saw this Bucks team winning until they started this run in game seven in, uh, in the finals uh, leading up to game six where Giannis, who was terrific throughout the series, put up multiple 40 point uh, wins at home before this game six puts up 50 points, only the second player in NBA history to do that in a clinching game in the finals. Uh, it's just, I'd have to say it's the best single game finals performance that has happened at least in our lifetimes. There's nothing that compares to it. Basically the only other two things are maybe Magic Johnson in 1980 and MJ in 98, his final championship with the Bulls, 45 point night. But other than that, we just haven't seen something like this. And Giannis's absolute dominance yesterday, making DeAndre Ayton look like a JV player out there uh, defensively, it was just something special to watch. And I, I, I'm just happy that I got to see this team play multiple times this season because it was just a fantastic, a fantastic end to a very strange but very entertaining playoffs. I mean, we're going to say his name a lot. Uh, this episode, but Giannis at the age of 26 now, NBA champion, finals MVP, two-time league MVP, defensive player of the year, five-time all-star. Thomas Aiello, what does this win mean for his legacy? And I know you're somebody who loves to rank players. Where does this put him amongst the league? Is I, you love, I, I love to hear your hot takes. Is he above LeBron? Is he above KD? Where are you ranking him after this performance? He, he definitely catapulted himself to the top. I think we can safely agree that that happened last night. The 50-point game with the 14 rebounds. And he, he hit all his free throws, too. He hit all of his free throws. You want to talk about out-of-pocket performance? He went 17 of 19 from the free throw line. That's 90%. That, that almost never happens with him. But, yeah, he definitely catapulted himself to the top. I think it's him, Durant, I guess they're kind of going like this. And then... I guess three, four, and five, you, you go Steph, um, Luca. I'm still on the Luca train. He, he's definitely in there somewhere. I think Kawhi, unfortunately, he's going to probably miss all of next season, but he's definitely in that top five. You mix it around, and then it's Jokic. Uh, LeBubble is like seventh for me just because he wasn't very good this year and he was hurt a lot. But he can, he can jump up next year, which is entirely possible. And you, we're not going to bank on the Lakers being a zombie team all of next season. I think they're going to come back healthy. They're going to find some kind of reinforcements for their bench. But I think Giannis shot himself to the top in the last two games. Game six, he was, he was pretty good. And game seven, he was even better. Just ran away with the finals MVP. But I also want to point out that his path to get to the finals victory. He, had, he swept the Heat, who beat him 
in five games, I think it was in the in the fake bubble last year. Round two, they play the Nets, which Thomas Quigley saw almost one of the greatest collapses of all time on the Bucks end, where Chris Middleton had a brain fart. Brooke Lopez decided not to shoot at the three, and Drew Holiday basically forgot how to play basketball, and Giannis still beats the Nets. Then they go to six versus a Hawks team who who did anyone have the Hawks and the Bucks in the conference finals? Can we? No, no one had that. You, if you guys want to say no, it's okay. I didn't have it either. But then I go ahead and pick the Hawks to win, but I'm also the fool here. And then he goes to the NBA Finals to go against one of the greatest storylines of all se- this entire season. Chris Paul is trying to get his first ring, and he had a, a really damn good chance to do it. And we'll get to him in a minute. But Giannis Antetokounmpo absolutely put his foot down on the throat of the Suns and just burned them out. He exploited probably the worst defensive strategy, the, the stupidest defensive strategy of all time by Monty Williams, who apparently some people think should have won coach of the year. Not, not after that finals performance, because he, he tried to do single coverage the whole game and it wasn't working. He tried doing it the whole series. You saw how Nick Nurse and the Raptors defeated Giannis two years ago with the wall. The Miami Heat did it in the bubble last year, building a wall. And Monty Williams didn't try to go for rinse and repeat. He went to, I'm going to do it my way. And it, it got obliterated and abused. And Giannis just walked in the paint the whole night for game seven. Now, it's not to say he didn't play bad. He played incredibly well. But when you construct the dumbest defensive strategy of all time in a game six of the finals in the opponent's building, you're, you're guaranteed to get flamed. But nonetheless, Giannis Antetokounmpo, as it stands today, is the best player in basketball and quite honestly, I don't, I don't know if he's going to let hold of that for a while. Like, I'm talking six or seven seasons. I don't know if he's going to let go of that. Speaking of Giannis's journey through the finals, I mean, can we, can we just take a second to remember that his knee bent backwards like two oh, yeah. weeks ago? Like we, the, one of the episodes we had on, on the show, we were literally saying how I wonder if he's even going to play next season. Like, we didn't know how bad his knee was, and then he comes out and does this. But, you know, speaking of journeys and how they got here, I want to talk about this Bucks team as a whole, because out of their top 10 rotation players, five were low-level signings, three of arrived via trade, Drew Holiday back in November, P.J. Tucker, and Chris Middleton back in 2013. And you have Giannis and Dante. They're drafted by the organization. Brooke Lopez, Bobby Portis, my guy, who we're gonna, I'm going to give him a shout-out later. I've been holding off on it, but, like, you know it's coming. Pat Connaughton, but just this team – is so different from the other teams across this league. There was an interview Giannis did where he kind of talks about how it's not a super team and they did this the hard way and et cetera, et cetera. And Quigley, I'll go to you with this one. What does this mean for other teams across the league and the fact that this team really wasn't, you know, a, a super team? You, you do have Giannis, you have Drew Holiday, you have Chris Middleton, but that they're not really – they didn't get there the way that we've seen other teams do it. And – it, it, we just haven't seen it. We haven't seen it in, in a while. Five of the previous six NBA final MVPs, LeBron James, Kawhi, KD twice, Andre Iguodala, they won the award with the team that didn't draft them. LeBron won with the Cavs in 2016, but that was after Miami. You know, was, he came back. It was a big decision. And then another big decision. And, you, and then you take Giannis, who has stuck, stuck with his team. He had the option to leave going into the season. He signs the Supermax extension. What does this mean going forward for other teams in the league? What does this mean uh, for the whole stigma and the stereotype that the NBA has just turned into this big 
super team players chasing rings crazy circus well i do think that the bucks did something really special in milwaukee um with how they've just grown so much talent from the within their organization uh and now they're at the point where you know they have a superstar he stays resigns the last offseason uh says he wants to win a championship in milwaukee and he won't leave until he does um and then you heard him after the game last night saying let's win another everybody was saying it. everybody who's going up to the mic to uh to talk after the win they're all saying hey this is i'm so glad that i'm here for the people that just arrived here uh in drew holiday and for the people who have been here uh like chris Middleton, even though he wasn't drafted by the organization he's been there as long as yana says and they all want to run it back. So it's definitely a lesson to the teams of the Nets caliber or the Lakers who are going out there and just building for now, not necessarily trying to uh, win with, from within. And we've seen how those teams sometimes fall short. I mean, obviously the Nets got crippled with injuries at a terrible time. But throughout the season, they were always – they were very rarely all three of them on the court. Um, so injuries happen and they cause a big, big tear to your team if, you know, you have three players that can carry you and the rest of your team doesn't show up. With the Bucks, they had a bunch of players that, even when they didn't show up, like Drew Holiday, who didn't show up offensively at all, well, he's still putting up a, a, about six assists, you know, per game during the series. Uh, I think I'm maybe switching six boards, nine assists per game. And, you know, he's also getting – three steals in that final game there. He's providing in all of the ways that, you know, are not necessarily scoring, even when he's off. So if you have, like, role players, or not role players, but, you know, secondary players that can play a role, even when they're not shining to their full ability, you don't necessarily have that on these teams where it's, you know, three three main guys, they're all scorers, and defense is kind of thrown out the wayside because you can just destroy a team with your offense. It's a lesson to all those teams that, hey, you know, sometimes a deeper team, you know, a team that prioritizes defense a little bit more than just overpowering the other team's defense, it can win championships. It has. It did it right now. And, you know, that could be the mold going forward in case these super teams continue to fall flat as they have in the past two years. Well, I wanted to jump off of your point, Quiggs, about the super team thing because it's – with the Nets, they – they severely, I thought, miscalculated how they were going to build their team. And we knew that the Harden trade was going to happen and he wanted to go to the Nets at some point. That was, that, that's a given. I don't think we're going to disagree that he wanted out of Houston. There's no question about it. And I thought you can say a lot about the Harden trade you know, between the Pacers choosing, choosing to trade what they did and then the Rockets taking Oladipo instead of Levert and all the 500 moving parts they had in that trade. The Brooklyn Nets traded for essentially an expiring contract this upcoming season for Harden because he has a player option after. All three of them do. And that's the risk you run when you sign these superstar players to these big deals because all of a sudden, we, well, I'm going to use the Knicks example, when they traded for Carmelo and they, they gave away like half of Manhattan to do it. They immediately started giving away picks and three-team trades for Chandler, Tyson Chandler they had Amari Stoudemire already. They were trying to sign who they could. And that, that's what the Nets have kind of fallen into, that, that trap of scrambling for stuff. Now, 
don't be Portland, however, and have Damian Lillard and McCollum and act like a 40-win team and not trade your first-round picks when you could have had Jimmy Butler. But that's a discussion for another day. The point is, you have to understand how long you're going to have these players for. And for the Nets, I, I feel like it couldn't, it's not going to be that much longer. Maybe two years. If James Harden's body doesn't betray, I wouldn't say betray him, but if the playoffs don't betray him like, he, like they have in the past, if Kyrie's body continues to betray him, as well as Durant's, that's definitely going to be a problem. Uh, they're tied up in quite a bit of money. I don't know if they're going to keep Dinwiddie. That's another bench piece gone. So but teams like that, and I know that I'm kind of killing the Nets right now, but that's the example I think of immediately off the top of my head. You're right. Like the, yeah. the super teams fall apart immediately. And they fall so quick. Every, every single one. The Heat stayed around for four years. The Warriors, obviously, they had KD for three years, but now they're completely decimated. And, and I wouldn't they, say that, Quicks. I wouldn't say that. Okay, they're going right. to be back. When, when Clay Thompson comes back, it's a different story if he can play to the full ability that he has in the past. But, you know, they're still not necessarily championship contenders, although they're somehow the fourth most likely out of <laughs> Vegas to uh, – or what is it, like fourth longest, shortest odds? In I'm the sorry. West, I think, yeah. It, I, no, well, they're like minus 1,000. Uh, oh, compared to like three, uh, There's like three teams above them. One of them was the Bucks. So I, don't, I don't think it was just the West, but it's insane. I mean, I, they didn't make the playoffs this year, and we don't know if Clay Thompson is going to be – whatever, whatever. This is for another day. The point is super teams don't last. And yeah. I don't think they're going to continue to last. There's not going to change. That, that big win now mentality. And if you don't win, then what do you do? You're screwed. I mean, to be fair with the Nets, I, I know, Thomas, you love to rank on, rank on them, but they were technically a shoe size away from playing the Suns yeah. in the finals. So, I mean, it, it's that risk you take where it, it's, it's really like gambling. I mean, you, you put it on the line, you, you get those three giant guys, you spend all your money, you don't have the depth that maybe a team like the Bucks or even the Suns really uh, have to, to work with if, if injuries happen to those stars. But you think, all right, look, we got these three people, we got these two people, let's go win a championship right now because we want that ring. And either sometimes that works and sometimes it fails miserably. And, you know, even people were kind of questioning the holiday trade when it, ha when it happened. Or, you know, people saw, oh, they didn't get uh, Bogdan Bonanovich with that sign trade. Oh, no, they're screwed. And yet here they are winning a championship. So I think, it, I think it really brings up an interesting conversation, an interesting discussion about, about if you can, if this is a realistic way to go about winning a championship or do the Bucks kind of get lucky or is it just because they have Giannis and Giannis is a freak. So I, I think there's a lot of ways to look at it, but uh, I definitely want to, I, I definitely want to talk Suns because we spent a lot of time on the Bucks. But before I do that, I told you, I would, I told you I'd give him a shout out because Everyone is on the Bobby Portis train now. Everyone, not just Milwaukee, not just former Nick, you know, the Knicks fans. No, no, the entire world is on the Bobby Portis fan club train. And I just like to say that I was on it three months ago, four months ago, whenever we started. Remember that whatever the first Bobby Portis mention was on the show, I started that. I did it before it was cool. And I just need to put that out there because, oh my God, when Bobby Portis smiled, in Chris Paul's face and kept him from talking to the ref. That was probably the highlight of the entire series for me. Because every time that they had him slow-mo on TV with crazy eyes, it, it made my day. So I want to give Bobby Portis a shout-out for having maybe the most iconic game six of a bench player I've ever seen. Maybe that's an exaggeration, but had to give my man Bobby Portis a shout-out. 
I don't know if either of you two want to give him some love, but if not, we can go. You want to go ahead? I, I do because there's one, before we get to the Suns. There's one. There's one parallel he had. Not only did the Bucks stop Chris Paul from getting a ring, Bobby Portis physically stopped Chris Paul from getting a ring. <laughs> he, there was I don't know what it was. There was just random beef that just started between the two of them. That was this one play. I don't know. The, the ball like went out of bounds on the baseline, and Chris Paul was running over to the official, and Bobby Portis just kind of like pushed him away, like a. Uh, but he did it too nonchalantly. Like he, he yeah, was, just, so he was like, oh. <laughs> he, he, he just like pushed him away. He's like, okay, get out of here. You're like, you're, you're, not only am I going to stop you from winning a ring, I'm going to just stop you physically too. He just pushed him away like a child trying to grab candy and the parent just goes, no, they just push him away. I thought that was the, the, the best moment of game six last night. Other, other than um, Devin, or not Devin Booker, Mikael Bridges blowing the dunk. And not that I wanted the Bucks to win. I obviously picked the Suns, but that was the moment to me where I go, yeah, man, this is over. Like, there's no way. Like, Milwaukee just can't lose at home. And then we have the Portis thing, and then, oh, oh it, was so, also, it was so bad. Can we talk about how Bobby Portis got a technical for celebrating? I, I think that's I, the most <laughs> <laughs> thing that could have happened in this finals. He's running down the court with a weird run bounce. Like, yeah, I don't even know. Like this. I, yeah, so I don't funny. even know what that was. But the fact that he got a technical for it, it just – it just made sense. It it truly just made sense. But but uh, let's let's go to the Suns now. It's when as much as we love to talk about the winners and the heartwarming stories, we got to talk about the losers too. And if you look at the Suns team, they entered Game Six after three straight losses. They were one win away from forcing Game Seven. Devin Booker coming off two straight forty point performances, and then. It just kind of fell apart. I mean, for me, after the first quarter, I, to me, it felt like the even though uh, the the Suns were able to push it, come back, take the lead in the second quarter, it just felt like they weren't going to win the game. To me, they it just felt out of it. Aiton Aiton was no show. A Booker didn't. I don't, he was also missing until the second half. I think as a whole, they had twenty one points in the fourth quarter, and they it just they didn't play great. Um, and I think there's a lot of question marks now for them going. There was there was a lot of question marks regardless going to the offseason, but I think there's even a lot more considering how this series ended. But Quigley, we'll, we'll go to you first. What happened to the Suns in, this, in Game 6? Game 6 was such a weird game. It was just a really weird game. Like the Bucks, <laughs> the Bucks were, you know, dominating kind of the entire game. You, could, you felt that. And yet somehow the Suns just were always right there. And, mm-hmm. I mean – I'm, I'm, like, trying to, like, remember from last night. I was surprised when I remembered that it was tied going into the fourth quarter because it felt yeah. like the Bucks were just dominating that entire second half. Obviously, the second quarter was very ugly. They only scored 13 points uh, and mm-hmm. let the Suns take the lead uh, going into the half. But it really felt like Giannis was the only player on the court that was really just unfazed by the entirety of the event, especially at the beginning. Everyone had a slow start. No one was mm-hmm. making shots. Um, except for Giannis. Giannis was just amazing the entire game. And so since he was the only one on the court that you really saw putting in, you know, putting in numbers, like absolutely producing, it just felt like the Bucks were running away with it the entire night. But for the Suns, I don't know. Chris Paul is definitely the biggest question mark going into the offseason. Uh, and it's not because of his play during these finals, because he was terrific. Even when Booker didn't show up in this game, Chris Paul was still leading the team with 26 points. He was really the only player on the Suns that 
looked at least slightly in form. And he looked good. But, you know, with DeAndre Ayton out there, once again, looking very, you know, small in the moment, uh, especially while Giannis is just absolutely just dominating him offensively. You know, it, he looked very scared out there. And Booker, I don't know. I mean, even when he's off, he still puts up, you know, decent numbers. But, you know, that's just not what you're used to, uh, especially in, in such an important game. Um, and, you know, like, just like Aiden, it's another young player in a big spot. So it's not surprising that they couldn't come up with the goods, but it really, you know, it really did them in. And even though it was, you know, close in the end, if Booker had made just like three or four more shots, they maybe go to overtime or win that game, which is crazy. If he had made a single three-pointer. I mean, he, single, he missed all seven. Single. Even with that M, that open look, the, the Suns are in it even to the end with that very open look. And, of course, you throw it to Booker because he's the guy. He just didn't have it today for the last time. And I forget how young this team really is. I mean, you mentioned Aiden, DeAndre Aiden, and we kept saying all along he's the X factor. He's going to have a big series. This is his first final series ever. I mean, he, he's so young. This team is so young except for Chris Paul. And you're right, Chris Paul was really the most consistent player arguably all year, but certainly in, the play, in their playoff run. Um, but this, this team does have a lot of question marks. They're a young team, but Chris Paul is obviously the biggest one. He has, you know, if he opts into that final year of his contract, the Suns will be only $12 million or so below the luxury tax line. There's a good chance they go over. Uh, they have a lot of question marks with what to do with people like Dario Saric. He'll probably be out next season, Torrey Craig, campaign. And there's a good chance Chris Paul opts out and he's going to go and try and find money somewhere. I mean, he finished fifth in MVP voting. Why wouldn't he go and get paid somewhere else? So, and he, and he wants to win now. We were talking about win now mentality. What about somewhere like the Lakers who, who definitely have made it clear that they want a veteran, a veteran point guard. Thomas Ayel, I'm not even going to finish my point because I would love to hear what that reaction was for. <laughs> Stop. Stop bringing up the Lakers. It's not me. It's the, the news loves it. I, that's okay, all I okay, see. Okay. Well, guess what? The, the, Twitter is fake news. They're all, all the Lakers fans are fake news. They're all banned. Who in their right minds thinks the Los Angeles Lakers need Chris Paul to, to, to walk through Rudy Gobert and, and, and Damian Lillard, who doesn't ever get past the second round except once. And they need to, they need Chris Paul to be the magic, like, passing X factor when you have LeBron James. Stop it. Stop it. He's not going to leave Phoenix. He's not going to leave. He's not going to the Lakers. He's not going to the Knicks. He's going nowhere. He's going to stay. He's going to decline the player option. He's going to take I – think, I think he personally should take a pay cut if they want to add, like, talent to this team. Chris Paul should take a pay cut. Going to the Lakers is just such an it's, – it's an asinine idea because they're going to spend money – on Dennis Schroeder, because he's like one of their only options at point guard. They have to pay Kuzma $13 million for some reason. And Montrez Harrell, I mean, he might leave, but that's $9 million freed up from a player option. And then Caldwell Pope makes $13 million to shoot 30% from three. So, I mean, Chris Paul going to the Lakers, it would be hilarious to come full circle with that trade all those years ago, but I stop. 
not everyone's going to play in La La Land. There's a reason it's called La La Land. It's all a fantasy. It's not going to happen. Yes, they got Davis. Yes, they have LeBron. And they, well, they didn't really win a real championship, but they won something. And then this year they were just, they were all hurt. And that's, I don't know how much I can put that on them. Like, it's not really like everyone else's fault. It's just, it just happens. Injuries are a part of the NBA, but he's not going to the Lakers. He's not going to these outrageous teams that people on Twitter say like the seven, the seven people like me that say Chris Paul should go to the, the Timberwolves. I don't like, I just picked the crazy team because I, that's just what I do, but he, he's not going to leave Phoenix. There's no better situation for him to leave Phoenix or to, or that will entice him to leave. And Devin Booker and Deandre and they're going to be around that he's not going to leave Phoenix. And I keep repeating it, but it, it's, it's not going to happen. Twitter needs to be deleted, burned to the ground, something. Burned to the ground. You, Thomas Ayala wants Twitter burned to the ground. You heard it. Burn it. <laughs> really, I guess like you go for like the data center at Twitter or something. <laughs> I don't know. I, I should honestly just burn my phone. Like that'll be enough. That'll be enough. For you. So here's my question. If, if Chris Paul's not going anywhere, then let's look at this Western guy. The Lakers, right, they were injured, but they're going to be healthy again. And – Clearly, they couldn't overcome Giannis and the Bucks. The Clippers and Nuggets, they might not be healthy on opening night, but by the time we get to postseason, I think they're definitely going to be contenders there. You never know what other teams are coming back. Like I mentioned earlier, Brooklyn was a shoe size away from being in this finals, and I think uh, that big three definitely would give Phoenix a run for their money. So what what should the Suns go out and do in this offseason? I mean, you have Aiton who stepped up. I know he didn't have a great game six, but he definitely took huge strides in the offseason. Nicole Bridges, your guy, Thomas Aiello, he's stepped up. He could also go out and get a contract. In an ideal world, you're right, they keep Paul, they keep Aiden, and they keep Bridges together, and they make another run at it next year. But I don't know how realistic that is. Quigley, what, what should the Suns do moving forward? Do they try and keep this team together and make another run at it, or do they go out and try and find that missing piece that – that, that one player who's going to move the needle. That's, that's the question with the Suns because obviously they're a rising team. And even without Chris Paul this season, they probably would have been a playoff team in my estimation. Um, but Chris Paul brings that absolute X factor to the team. And that's kind of why I think he won't leave. Uh, and if he were to leave, I don't think he would go anywhere other than the Lakers, but he won't. He won't. He'll stay. Um, but this Suns team is obviously – on an upper trajectory, and they don't really have many weaknesses that aren't going to be solved with at least a decent mat- like maturation process and obviously like skills improving for the current core that they have. So I don't necessarily think that there's any moves that absolutely jump out to me that will make them more of a contender. But I do think that this is going to be a very tough West to come out of in any other year. I think they are really fortunate this year um, to be in the position that they were because they had, you know, teams like the Nuggets that they just absolutely they swept, but, you know, they're without one of their best players. And, you know, the same goes for an injured Lakers team that they ran into. Uh, so they definitely were fortunate this season, and they didn't have to play Kawhi in the Eastern Conference or the Western Conference Finals either. I think they're going to be there. They're always going to be contenders. If Chris Paul can stay around and play – like he has been for at least two more years. They have a championship window. 
but it's just going to be really tough in the West. And I don't necessarily know, you know, how they can better prepare themselves for it. Uh, I agree. I do think the West is going to be tough for next year. And uh, Chris Paul, love and death. I really thought this needed to be the year for him. I know we say this. I, I'm a Tom Brady fan, so I cannot believe I'm about to say what I'm about to say. But he is old. He's getting older. And and I don't know how many more years you're going to get out of him where he plays at the level that we saw him play this year. Maybe I'm setting him up to get mad, get use that as a chip on his shoulder and play really well next year and win a championship because that's exactly what Tom Brady does every time someone says that about him. But it's true. I mean, he's getting older and there's a good chance that, like I mentioned earlier, some of the younger players get swooped up in the offseason by teams looking to do the same thing that the Suns just did and have a young core and, and build off of that. So I really do think it's going to be interesting next season. Thomas Aiello, I'm sure you had thoughts on that as well. What do you think this, I guess, this might be way too early to talk about, but what do you think the, the Suns' odds are going into next season with the team they have now in going into – you know, a playoff series, a postseason. I think it's, you said it very well, Kelly. I think it's tough to judge. Uh, I thought the Brady analogy to describe where Chris Paul is at is definitely like a conversation to be had because he is 36 or 37, something like that in that vicinity. And the West is, it's, there's a lot of teams that are either going to try to make the jump or going to jump out of nowhere. We can't, like you said, you can't count on the Lakers to just not be healthy. The Clippers might be the one team everyone leapfrogs because Kawhi is probably going to miss most of next season with that knee ailment. Uh, Dallas, they hired Jason Kidd, so they kind of set themselves up for doom. And Harella Bob, who was a Twitter guy who apparently is going to run their front office, so good luck to them. So maybe you can leapfrog two teams. But Denver, like you said, they're going to be around. Portland is up in the air. We don't know what they're going to do. But teams like Memphis, New Orleans, San Antonio, if they pick up someone, and Oklahoma City can magically just show up. Those are teams that have a lot of assets and things they can trade to improve the team like this. And for the Suns, I mean, they really need a backup point guard. They can get it, but the question becomes, how much are you willing to give up to – maintain the top two in the West? That's that's the real question and what it comes down to. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us on Pick and Pod this week. First of all, before we go, I want to congratulate Milwaukee Bucks on their championship, specifically Giannis, because I think he really deserves it. And I hope all the fans in Milwaukee, the 65,000, 70,000 people that were there outside watching the game, I hope you guys have been partying all day, all night. I hope you enjoy your parades. Go get your 50-piece McNuggets from Chick-fil-A or whatever Giannis ordered. Do what you got to do. Enjoy the moment. I know we've all here at Pick and Plot enjoyed this season. And now comes the most fun part of talking about basketball, and that's the offseason and all the rumors and everything that comes with that. So can't wait to get back into those conversations with Thomas Aiello and Thomas Quigley. But for now, have a great week, and we'll see you next week. I'm Kelly Bright. Pick and Pod is a production of WFUV Sports.